For nearly 20 years, Kelsey Grammer had one of the longest-running roles for a single live-action actor in U.S. television history. First, he was Dr. Frazier Crane on Cheers, and then the spinoff, just called Frazier. Now, his acting has changed. Five Emmy Awards, Kelsey Grammer, 68, took a different acting role. His personal life was shaped by a host of family tragedies. So to my surprise, evangelist Greg Laurie convinced Kelsey to play a major role in the new movie called Jesus Revolution. Critics do what they do, criticize. They pen this new film that's still playing, breaking records after just happening to open the day after the public meetings ended at the Asbury Revival. Kelsey Grammer says, I've found great peace in Jesus. He says it's time at this point in his life to not apologize for his faith in Christ, even through the tragic times of life. Maybe time for you to find your peace in Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today here on Monday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're continuing into a second week in a series called Revive Us Again. As I pray a new Jesus revolution, is moving out across the U.S., Canada, and beyond. I want to return to Wilmore, Kentucky. Exactly one week ago, I met up with Tim Tennant and his wife, Julie. He's the president of Asbury Seminary, right across the street from the university. It was his students who started praying for revival in at least 2019, not February 2023. He first trained in theology at Gordon-Conwell Seminary outside Boston in New England. A clue to his heritage is his name, Tennant. He leads a school just near the breakout of the Second Great Awakening in the 1790s. He's also a conservative Methodist pastor. But his great-great-something grandfather was also named Tennant and started the Log College, which became Princeton. His forebear was a Presbyterian pastor and was a leader in the First Great Awakening with George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. We'll hear a little more about that movement a little later in the program. But as the Asbury public meetings ended and the new movie Jesus Revolution opened, Tim suggested let's not leave it at come and see. If the Lord is behind what's happened here, we must go and tell. Dr. Tim Tennant, speak with me about go and tell. Yeah, I think one of the great things about the ascension is, as Martin Luther said, when Christ rose, he rose from here to everywhere, meaning that Christ is present, the risen Lord is present wherever God's people gather. And so the idea of, of, of spaces and places, particular places, is, is challenged by the resurrection and the ascension, because it, what it means is, is Christ can do his work in all places. And so we really felt like there was, there's also just a missional movement of the church, whenever the church is touched— Throughout history, it always moves outward. Mm-hmm. And so we were at an inflection point, I think, in this movement mm-hmm. of God where we realized we had reached – there was a wonderful period for over two weeks where we said, you know, come and see what God is doing. But there was a point where the Lord really was clear to us to say there's an inflection point and now we need this to move outward to the ends of the earth. And that's what we're seeing happen and we believe that's, that's what the go and tell is. And and here you're the president of a Wesleyan background seminary. Why is it in the Christian world we always want to circle the wagons and defend our turf? That hasn't been going on here, but these no. last days has it. 
No, it's been a very open, um, wonderful movement. We we have not had any Christian like superstar, well done people here. It's been just been a one of the great words that emerged early on was a sense of, of radical humility. Yes, I've just heard being that. here humbly receiving uh, God's presence, God manifesting His own humility. And there's no place for hubris or saying this was about Asbury. In fact, one of our things all along was this is not about Asbury, not about mm-hmm. Wilmore. It's about mm-hmm. God answering the desperation of especially Gen Z that is hungry for a divine solution. And mm-hmm. I think we were simply the conduits of something God is doing in that generation and ultimately to challenge the foundations of a church, which frankly has become you know, accustomed and comfortable with casual prayers, domesticated Here, Christianity all over the West. The, no, in the West, yeah, domesticated yes. Christianity and, and frankly, culturally compromised churches. And so this generation is saying we're desperate to see if there really is an authentic New Testament, biblical, historic Christianity, or is this just something else? And they're discovering that God is alive and working, and He is actually addressing that generation in a very mm. profound way. Mm. Tim Tennant, president of Asbury Seminary. Bless you, brother. Thank you, Charles. And your wife, Julie. Thank you, Charles. And thank you very much. God bless you. This is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris, and the program's called Revive Us Again. In a moment, I want you to hear from a pastor who preached at a church I visited when I was in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's a message of invitation for both believer and unbeliever. But first, let's hear from Stephen Curtis Chapman and the invitation. In the palace, in the land of mercy, the king looked out from his throne. He saw the sick and the homeless and hungry. He saw me lost and without hope. And moved with compassion, he sent out his only son. The invitation to come. This is your invitation. Come just the way you come find what your soul has Stood outside the gates and trembled in my rags of unworthiness. Afraid to even stand at a distance in the presence of holiness. And just as I turned to go, the gate swung open wide. The king and his only son They invited me inside This is your invitation Come just the way 
That's Stephen Curtis Chapman from an album just called Speechless, The Invitation. When we began our time together, you heard a conversation with Dr. Tim Tennant, whose sixth great-grandfather was involved in the Great Awakening of the 18th century. Now, you may not know his grandfather's name, but I bet you know the name of Jonathan Edwards, who was alive at the same time. The new documentary that we have for your gift to the ministry called Revival shares the story of how Revival broke out at his church in the mid-1730s in Connecticut. When he first arrived in his congregation there in Northampton, there was not a hunger for God in the congregation. A church and a community that was really marked by a lot of nominalism and spiritual decay. Uh, He talks about the young people as being so even antagonistic uh, to the things of God. As was his habit, Edwards then gave himself to prayer for the blessing of God upon his truth. The carelessness of his hearers began to change toward the end of the year. He then, in December of 1734, preached a sermon on Ephesians 5:16, redeem the time, for the days are evil. It was a message about the shortness of time, the suddenness of death, and the length of eternity. And it shook the young people to their core. They had been cavalier, been living frivolously, sleepwalking, night walking around town, and they suddenly were gripped with a fear of God. When the Spirit of God was at work, people of all ages and stages of life became profoundly concerned about true religion, eternal things, and their own souls. Even some of the children were meeting together for prayer with fasting. Edwards said, This work of God, as it was carried on, and the number of true saints multiplied, soon made a glorious alteration in the town, so that in the spring and summer following, the year 1735, the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. It never was so full of love, nor of joy, and yet so full of distress as it was then. There were remarkable tokens of God's presence in almost every house. It was a time of joy in families on account of salvation being brought unto them. Parents rejoicing over their children as newborn, and husbands over their wives, and wives over their husbands. Our public assemblies were then beautiful. The congregation was alive in God's service, every one earnestly intent on the public worship, every hearer eager to drink in the words of the minister as they came from his mouth. Some weeping with sorrow and distress, others with joy and love, others with pity and concern for the souls of their neighbors. This is Haven Today, and a moment from the new documentary we have for your gift to the ministry called Revival, the Work of God. That's just one of the many stories of revival that are told in this feature-length film that was shot on location in places where revival broke out. I believe it's important to remind ourselves how God has moved in the past so we can be encouraged to be praying that God moves in our midst today. So when you call us after the program, just ask for the double DVD set of Revival. Call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit our website, watch the trailer of the documentary, but then make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. What happened in Wilmore, Kentucky, began with prayer and repentance. There was worship. There was scripture shared. 
there was preaching Christ and his word. As the public meetings closed at Asbury University and Seminary, John Lane, district superintendent, preached at the Free Methodist Church in Wilmore. Join me and listen as John opened God's word and preached Jesus. We're going to just talk about the invitation of God, the open arm invitation of God that he gives to us. That God has revealed himself as a God of invitation. So in Revelation 22, you have these words, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who's thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. This just one verse of summary at the end of our scriptures speaks to the heart of God, a God of invitation. Arms open wide. Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In Isaiah 55, come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Isaiah chapter 1, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Joel 2. Even now, declares the Lord, return or come back to me with all of your heart. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Would you just come and reason with me? Even at the beginning, as Adam and Eve are hiding in the bushes, And the Lord God, you hear the sound, they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the the invitational heart of God simply says, where are you? Where are you? It's clear we have this, this God of invitation, a God of bidding, a God of calling, a God of, of summoning. It is his very heart. He is the wooing God. And the amazing thing is that God uses us to call others to him who are either not yet a part of his kingdom or don't fully understand what it means to be clothed in his kingdom. So you have in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we are Christ's ambassadors as if God himself is making his appeal through us. God is bidding and calling and summoning and requesting and wooing and asking, and he's using us to appeal to people. It's, can you just for a moment appreciate the sheer absurdity of that? If I can use that word respectfully of the Lord. The remarkable implications of an almighty God who makes an appeal rather than a demand. Knocks on a door rather than kicks it down. The meekness and gentleness, and we're going to talk about his kindness. I mean, what does it say about the very nature and character of God who calls out requests and invites and then even sends his son as a grand invitation letter to people? What does that say about his very nature, even speaking against coercion instead of invitation? Because I like coercion. We can get things done through coercion, but it may not be the heart of God. 
So this morning, we just simply begin with this invitation to the wedding banquet in Matthew chapter 22. This is the parable of the wedding banquet that Jesus shares. The parables, as you know, they always have a twist, right? They have, the, they have a point of incongruity, a surprise, a, a point of surprise is often the point of the parable. And often we need to understand the culture of the time in order to fully get the incongruity, though remarkably the parables have lasted throughout the years precisely because from culture to culture they still surprise. It's amazing how wise Jesus was in his teaching. So this twist, what do you mean the Samaritan was the good neighbor? What do you mean the father ran to the prodigal? What do you mean that we were feeding you and clothing you when we were serving the least of these, dare I apply it? What do you mean we were, we were giving you fresh water in Flint, Michigan when we addressed the issue? So it is with this parable. I mean, what's surprising in this parable that Dr. Bauer read? I mean, the parable is simple. A king is throwing a wedding party for his son. The king's subjects refuse to attend. Instead, they kill the messengers. The the king sends his messengers to the streets and, and fills the party with all kinds of strange people that don't seem to belong. And there's one guy who isn't dressed in his wedding clothes, and so he's thrown out, and that's the parable. <laughs> so what's surprising? What is incongruent? First, that people, particularly the king's subjects, would refuse an invitation to such a joyous occasion as the king's son's banquet. Why would you ever refuse such an invitation? What is it about the priorities of their lives that caused them to miss the invitation of the king? Another incongruity that even after a second appeal, some people decided that their own personal business and their own affairs and their own parking spots were more important than the invitation to the wedding banquets. I have stuff to do. The party wasn't on their radar, wasn't on their agenda. I mean, again, how did they miss it? This is the king. Or even further, that these same subjects would seize and mistreat and even kill the very servants sent to announce the good invitation of the king. What did they misunderstand about the king that caused them to respond in such a way and think it was okay? The king is enraged and his army destroys these men, burns their cities. By the way, these were the cities of the king, too, that he burned. And then there's more surprises. The king begins inviting anyone on the street that that his servants can find people, anyone, really, good or bad, Jesus says. Worthy or not, well-known or known, were gathered to his banquet. The same parable told in a different way in Luke is told upon the heels when Jesus says, when you give a party, don't invite your friends and family. Go instead, invite the crippled and the broken and the poor, and they can't repay you. And then he tells this parable. Do you feel the tension? What kind of a banquet is this? This is, this is not a banquet you would put on the front cover of Us magazine. I mean, these are people from... Dare I say, every tribe, every nation, every language, a great multitude, no one can count. And then there's this this kind of surprise of this hodgepodge. There's this one person that's found by the king 
who's not wearing wedding clothes. He's, he's taken the time to be there, but not the time to change. So he's driven out. There's this tension between all being invited, but not everyone dressing to change for the banquet. So you feel these are these tensions. Who, who, would, who would say no to such a great invitation? What kind of king throws open his banquet to weird street people? What possesses someone to say yes to an invitation, but not feel they actually have to do anything? From Jesus' own lips is the greatest tension. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is Haven Today, Pastor John Lane preaching a message on Christ's inviting nature. We'll hear more from that message tomorrow. Now I want you to hear a Southern Gospel hymn that's being sung to a new arrangement by choirs, like in Wilmore, Kentucky. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress he Kindly will help me, he ever loves and cares for his own. you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, we're starting a new week. So many of us are beset by trials, by troubles. We cannot carry our burdens alone. We must tell Jesus. We must fall on our knees. Only in Jesus can we find forgiveness for sin. May we lay out all of our troubles before our kind, compassionate friend. Only you, Jesus, can deliver us. Make of our troubles quickly an end. Oh, help us, Jesus, alone. Tempted and tried, we need a great Savior. Jesus, I know you will help us alone. I pray this now in the name of King Jesus. I must tell Jesus. South Main Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. I must tell Jesus. I once heard about an old preacher many years ago who told a group of Christians that had prayed for revival all of his life. And even though he was then in his 80s, he was still praying he would see it in his lifetime. We need more prayer warriors like that man, that preacher. I've heard he was a student of not only the Word, but of history as well. He knew of the great movements of God like those Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield proclaimed. And I believe the more we know of how God has worked in the past, 
It'll inspire us to pray even now. And to help you be a prayer warrior for revival, I want to send you the new documentary called Revival, The Work of God. This feature-length film walks you through the history of some of the greatest revivals of all time. It'll inspire your faith. It'll allow your heart to keep praying that God will bring great revival today. So, please call us right now. Partner with us to stoke the flames of revival. And as our thanks, we'll send you the double DVD called Revival, God at Work. Not only does it include the entire documentary, it also has a second DVD with more great stories from past revivals. Plus, it includes a digital version for those who don't have a DVD. Our number you can call, and call right now, is 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website. Watch the trailer of the documentary. You'll get a feel for what it's all about. And you can make your gift then and there at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And while you're on our website, check out the Great Stories podcast, where we have extended interviews with people involved with the Asbury Outpouring in Kentucky. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, together, we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Peace is a rarity in our world. Nations fight nations. Families are in conflict. Sometimes it seems as if peace will never come. Have you ever felt that way? Well, there's one promise of peace that we can take to the bank. Paul tells us in Romans 5, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't just wishful thinking either. Everyone, everyone trusting in Jesus has peace with God. That war is over. And that's the best news in all the world. Christians have the Lord as their Savior, not as their judge. We are his children and not his enemies. So no matter what happens in this world, you can rest. You can have peace with God through Jesus. Get Anchor devotional in print monthly. Visit getanchor.com.